Fuck it. Let's go. Let's fucking go, boys and girls. It is 9.52. I just got done putting about three hours worth of recording into my top 64 prospects list for the 2020 draft. And my goal tonight was to do a podcast for that and a podcast for the mock draft that will also be coming out today. Not yet, not today as I'm recording this, but today at some point. And my voice really hurts. I still have not got to finish my whiskey, but damn it, let's go. Let's just burn through this, see if I can do a podcast as quickly as possible. I love this piece, man, this this mock draft. I know the mock draft isn't everyone's cup of tea. It's why do people do it? My buddy Shane gets on me all the time. This is so dumb. There's no point to doing this. It's just a fun exercise. That's it. That's it. It's a chance to look at the draft. It's a chance to look at how teams are organizationally. And when I say that, I mean in their systems and maybe their young players on their club. Uh, You know, nobody can project what's going to happen, but you you can get a glimpse of what teams could be down the line. Like, for example, the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks down the line are going to be, wait for it, terrible. Why? Because Doug Wilson has them in salary cap hell. And he has them with nothing in their system. He, with his last... Well, this will be now four drafts. The last four drafts. Nope. Let's go to the the last five drafts. Because that gets even better. The last five drafts. Here's who we picked in the first round. 2016, and I'm including this year for a reason. Now, 2015, he knocked it out of the park. He picked Timo Meyer. Good on him. 2016 is where we'll start, though. His first round pick in 2016, traded for Martin Jones. Now that worked. I'm not going to criticize him for that move. That did work. But it's kind of been blowing up in his face since about 2018. In the 2017 draft, he picked Josh Norris. Good pick. Good pick. No longer with the organization because he traded him in an extremely big package for a player he didn't need. But good pick. 2018, 2018, excuse me, it is laughable though. 2018, he picks Ryan Merkley in the first round. A kid who was off just about everyone's draft board. I mean, I don't know that as far as the NHL teams go, but from all accounts, he was off a lot of draft boards, at least for being a top 50 pick. I think I put him 50-something that year. We're not just talking about a kid who was all offense and couldn't play in his own zone. No, we're talking about a kid who, from all accounts, I say this respectfully, but from all accounts, bit of a loose cannon, I guess. Is that how you could put it? A bit of a... There's... You know, I I don't say this lightly as someone who battles depression, but someone 
who seem seem to need a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of help. I stutter because I, I don't know another way to say it. I'm trying to say it in a nice way, but and hey, I'm not making light of that in any way. But you don't. If there's so many red flags like that, you don't take that guy in the first round. They did. It's not working out. I guess we'll see. But holy shit. 2019, didn't own their first-round pick, traded it for Vander Kane, okay? 2020, don't have their first-round pick, which ended up third. Third. In a draft that has a pretty clear-cut top three. That pick's gone. Oh, yeah, they also gave Eric Carlson $11 million a year. So what I'm trying to say here is, I can safely predict that the San Jose Sharks are going to be a fucking disaster for a very long time. And that hey, they they might come back in 2021 and make the playoffs. Great! Great! They're not coming close to a cup. And like it'll be remember 2018, the LA Kings got off to a really hot start. Ah, they're back. Look at how great they are now that they got rid of Daryl Sutter. They are back, baby. Woo! They were swept in the first round. The LA Kings have not won or have only won one playoff game since winning the Cup in 2014. So 2016, making the playoffs, fool's gold. 2018, making the playoffs, fool's gold. Sharks will probably or could have some of that, but it, it, they're they're just, wow. The cap's not going up. There's nothing in the system. They've got bloated contracts. they got five bloated contracts. Four of those five, even if they ate half on them, I'm not sure they could get rid of them because of the term. I had this discussion with a guy on Twitter the other day. He said, oh, maybe maybe Montreal for Vlasic? I said, do, do you really want six more years of Mark Edward Vlasic? The, the guy can't play anymore. Like, even at 3.5, six years of them at 3.5? I'm not sure that's worth it. Eric Carlson, that's very much so unmovable. Unless he turns back the clock, but I don't think Eric Carlson's ever going to be fully healthy again. Anyway. Anyway. So it's the point I was trying to make here is the mock draft is just a fun chance to look. And the way I did it this year, I think it's going to be thought-provoking. I think there's going to be, you know, I did something this year where instead of doing two, quote, other options that I usually do, I instead put one other option and then I put a reach, a possible reach that a team could make. And I started doing them and I just had a blast trying to come up with ways to draw parallels and draw connections as to why a team might take a guy much earlier than they should. It was fun, and I think I have a I have a feeling that I'm trying to think of a better word, but I have a strong feeling that the possible reaches could end up hitting as much, if not more so, than the actual picks I project. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, you know, I say it off the top in the write up. Um, it's this is going to be an interesting draft because I think a lot of teams will go way off the board because there's such a lack of high-end defensemen and high-end centers in this draft. There's there's a big, big lack of those types of players. Um, 
I do not like this draft past about probably around 16 is the last guy I would probably put a first round grade on somewhere in there. That's Ozzy Weisblatt for my board. So yeah, somewhere in there. You could maybe argue a few guys after that, but um, yeah, I, I don't like this draft. I like draft like next year's draft, the 2021 draft. I've already put together my top 32 list for it. There's a lot of guys with pro games coming out of that draft. We'll see how it goes, how the year goes. It, it, we have no idea how that draft will progress. It's not getting hype. It doesn't have a guy who stands out as a top overall pick. If you think Ratty out of Finland is going to be the top pick, you know, slam dunk kind of top pick, no, he might challenge for it, but he's not that guy. Um, there's two kids that I especially love for the draft, but because of the leagues they played in, Nobody really knows them right now. Uh, but yeah, so I like next year's draft a lot better than this year's draft. Though this year's draft, the top three is fucking phenomenal. And the top ten in general is as good as any top ten. For my my top ten anyway. I like it as good as any top ten I've ever done. It's pretty good. So anyway, so the way I do this, I'm trying to speed through this and I'm not. The way I do these mock drafts. I don't look at my top 64 list. I really don't. I I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say I don't ever look at it, but basically I don't look at it. I do it off McKenzie's list, and I look at teams. I got to factor in need because as much as people hate that and scream, take the BPA, there are reasons why teams will go for need. It's more so organizational need than it is current need. Um you also have, as I talked about earlier, the, the ties to organizations, which will factor in. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of what else I need to say before I start this. I look for patterns the teams show when they draft. You know, some teams, they'll like taking kids from certain CGs. <laughs> I'm already stuttering. I just did three hours of recording. Forgive me. Uh They'll love kids at a certain CHL league. Some will love the U.S. development program. Some will love Sweden. Some will love Finland. Some will love Russia, etc. Some will be scared off by some of those regions too or show a pattern of that anyway. So I factor all that in. This is not the way I would take it, although I might mention who I would take in some of these. This is what I think will happen. Now, before we get going, as I say in the write-up, you are likely saying to yourself, Soups, you dumb fuck. There are 16 teams with the exact same odds right now who could win the lottery. How can you simply pull one team? It's a very good question, asshole. I didn't pull one team out. Instead, Lafreniere is essentially off the board. We know he's going number one. So what I'm doing is putting every team in order after that and I'll make 31 selections. We know Lafreniere is going one, but there are 16 teams who have a shot at him, an equal shot at him. So let's just take him out for now. I'll do a mock draft after that first round is done, after we know the exact order, and I'll do a mock draft, what, October 5th? I'll probably do a mock draft if I've got time. Um, this isn't perfect. 
But I, you know, I love doing these. People love reading them. So here we go. Lafreniere, number one. Comp is Peter Forsberg. Oh, I've got to edit some stuff up here. Um, I'll do that after. But um, yeah, the other option I give, even though there's no team to give him to, a trade down. And I can't think of a team that would consider this. But I just say. The Ottawa Senators have the ability this season to put together one hell of a trade offer if they wanted to. So if the right team wins the pick, I in no way expect it, but you never know. And I mean, for every other, quote, other option that I do in this, it's a player. But this time... It's just a trade down because I don't think there's a realistic other option. The possible reach that I have here is Quentin Byfield uh, because you can make the argument for it. He's a legitimate center who's got the size advantage. He's got the skating advantage. He's 10 months younger, and he was producing at a better pace this past season than Lafreniere was last season in a better league. But I don't think it'll happen. So, who's going to? To the LA Kings. I believe at this point in time, and this kind of goes against my belief that the risers go higher. Because one of these guys is the riser, and one of these guys is the guy that scouts are sick of. I believe, though, that Quentin Byfield's going to. And I believe Quentin Byfield's going to. It's a toss-up between him and Stutzel. I, I know that. One... The Kings historically have loved the OHL, maybe more than any other organization in the league. That might have been a Mike Fuda thing, who is now gone from the Kings. We'll see. The way they've drafted in recent years, they might, yeah, seriously, the OHL, it's just, it's their league. Two, the Kings won with size, and especially down the middle. You think Kopitar's still there, obviously. Jeff Carter's still there, obviously. But... That's how they won, is with size and especially down the middle. While the regime that won is mostly gone, the people still in the organization were there when the Kings won. The third reason, and I hope nobody hates me for this, but I believe, especially for the league, they'll really want Quentin Byfield in L.A. as opposed to Ottawa. The NHL has never had a star slash superstar, whatever you want to call it, type player of African descent. And he's African-Canadian. He's not African-American, but still. They've never had that type of player in a major U.S. market. And I think for the league, for trying to grow the game, for... You know, I don't think it's an equality thing. In fact, I really don't think it's an equality thing, but maybe. Maybe in some way that I'm not thinking of it factors in. But I just think for the league as a business, I, I just think that's that's going to be something they're going to push for. I don't think they'll try to get involved in the pick. I just think that they'll make it very clear to the Kings that, hey, you know, guys, sure would be a great story if you took Byfield at two. Um. It's right or wrong, That's I think it'll play a factor. Um, and I hate walking on eggshells like that, but 
You know, it's it's not what I'm saying I think should be done. It's just what I think could happen. Um, but again, it's 50-50. Stutzel is obviously the other option here. Um, and again, he's been the riser this season, and risers tend to go higher. The highest Stutzel could possibly go is two. So, yeah, total coin toss. The possible reach is Jamie Drysdale. Um, again, they love the OHL. Is it a Mike Fuda thing? We'll find out. Uh, they really also need to rebuild on the back end. And Drysdale, as I say in my top 64 write-up end podcast, Drysdale has a chance to be a stud defenseman. Three is Stutzel, goes without saying. He is pretty much a slam dunk pick. This is San Jose's pick, by the way, that came over in the Art Carlson trade. In the Art Carlson trade? Is that a word? Eric Carlson trade. My voice really hurts right now. I apologize. Um, I probably should wait a night to do this, but I'm not. The other option here is Drysdale. And... I highly doubt this would happen. And, I mean, it's either Drysdale or Jake Sanderson, really. It's not just Drysdale, even though Drysdale's the one I picked. But if they have a defenseman that they prefer and they're worried that Detroit could take one of the defense or has, has eyes for the same guy that they love, then maybe they take that guy at three, and yes, that definitely would mean Detroit would take Stutzel at four, but, and here's where the possible reach comes in, is, because I also, (laughs) but Marco Rossi is the possible reach, and that's the guy they could take at five. It all kind of ties in with with each other, but by the numbers, Marco Rossi should be in with that group at the top three. Marco Rossi, I can't remember exactly, but I want to say he had as good a point-per-game numbers or even better than Lafreniere this season. And like, he obliterated the OHL. Sorry, my computer came unplugged, and then I plugged it back in. Uh, and the other thing with Rossi, where did he play? Ottawa 67s. Who are we talking about with these picks? The Ottawa Senators. They'll know him well. And... The Ottawa Senators, they probably worry about ticket sales more than most teams because of the mess that that has been the last few seasons. So, again, possible reach. Don't don't read too much into it. It's just me trying to basically think outside the box or think of why teams might go essentially off the board. Four, I got the wings taking Jake Sanderson. Uh... I believe Jake Sanderson ends up going ahead of Jamie Drysdale. I do. I, I Again, the risers always go higher. So I got Jake Sanderson four, uh, played in their backyard this season, which that was the reason that people thought they were going to take Quinn Hughes, and they didn't. That was the reason why people thought they were going to take Trevor Zegris, and they didn't. Nobody's suggesting that they're going to take Jake Sanderson, but... And that's not why I think they'll take Jake Sanderson, but I don't think it'll hurt. 
And, uh, you know, as much as they took Moritz Sider last season and he looks like a stud to this point, uh, they're proving everyone wrong with that pick so far. But that blue line still needs a ton of work. And let's be honest here, that this rebuild is far from over in Detroit. So build up that blue line. Take a few years. You know, Sanderson won't be ready next year. That's fine. That's fine. You, you probably are going to need two more drafts before you're ready. And I'm talking high picks too. Um, the other option though is Cole Perfetti. I'm not ready to go here. But Sam Cosentino is pounding the table, essentially, at this point, for why this will happen. And in my opinion, it is all the wrong reasons. Apparently, Perfetti, his family, Perfetti's billets, there's a ton of connections between Perfetti and the Wings front office. Iserman knows him. Other guys know him. I want to say Verbeek, maybe. Uh there's a lot of connections there, and Cosentino sounds very confident that that's where they're going to go. Man, this team needs guys you can build around, and I don't think Perfetti is a kid that you can build around. I see him as a complimentary winger, and I mean, you're taking a guy just because you know him? Ooh, that's, that's risky, but... The thing that I wonder, New Jersey really needs defensemen. So I wonder if Jersey wouldn't look to trade up. And then trading back the wings, I think they'd be in a much safer spot to get Perfetti at seven. Would they get him? Uh, It gets a little more risky, no doubt. But that seems like, but wouldn't he, you know, if you're thinking about taking a kid like Perfetti at four, even if you move back to seven, you know, if you are thinking about taking him because you know him, wouldn't it be easier then after the fact if someone else takes him like the Ducks or like the Sens, you could just say to the Perfetti family, yeah, we couldn't do anything. We, we thought we could get him at seven and we missed him. I don't know. Just seems so risky. This is where the possible reaches get good, though. The guy I got here is a Skarov. And again, I go back to the wings are so far off. They won't be ready to win for another at least three years. Um, Askarov is going to be three or four years before he's even NHL ready or even ready for action. I don't even know if he'll be a starter. You look at Ilya Samsonov. Ilya Samsonov isn't even a starter yet, and it's been it was taken in 2015. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Goaltending prospects like this, as I said, doing my top 64, but if you haven't listened to it yet, goaltending prospects like this rarely come around. So you're getting a rare piece here to build around. But maybe the most important thing that I'm thinking of here, who was the Tampa Bay GM who had success with Andre Vasilevsky taking him in the first round of the 2012 draft? That was Steve Eiserman. I can make a very strong case for it. Will it happen? Highly, highly, highly doubt it. <laughs> but that's why they're possible reach and not, yep, this is who I'm going with. Five, Ottawa Senators, Jamie Drysdale. Um, to walk out of this draft with Stutzel and Drysdale, nope, they wouldn't be walking out of the draft. To walk away from the chat room 
with Stutzel and Drysdale to log out of the chat room with Stutzel and Drysdale would be huge for the Senators organization. Again, I think Jamie Drysdale is a potential franchise defenseman. And Tim Stutzel, I'm pretty safe in saying, is a franchise potential franchise center. Getting a franchise center and a franchise defenseman is pretty okay. Ask the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though I'm not much of a Steven Stamkos fan. Well, I like him. I just think he's overrated. Um, Those are the two toughest pieces to acquire. And the Ottawa Senators, in my opinion, have a chance to acquire both of those pieces in this draft. The other option, as I talked about earlier, this is the other option now, not the reach. Marco Rossi makes a ton of sense. And the Senators aren't great down the middle. They're okay. You know, I think a lot of people say Chris Tierney's Tierney's still young. Sorry. Uh, Colin White. uh, I don't like Drake Batherson as a center, but Drake Batherson has played center. Um, Who am I blanking on? Josh Norris. They got Josh Norris. So they've got a lot of really good centers. So if you're adding Stutzel to White, who they've got locked up for six years, and Norris, who's going to be on an ELC contract, it's a pretty good one, two, three down the middle. And then you got Tierney, who is pretty damn good third-line center, if not better. So, and I'm pretty sure I'm even forgetting someone's... Well, Logan Brown, but I, I've soured a lot on Logan Brown. Doesn't look like he's going to be much. Um, but you you can make a bit of an argument for Marco Rossi, or for taking two centers in general. The, the other center, I'm pretty sure, would be Marco Rossi. Uh, as I'm saying this, Cole Perfetti comes into the perfect... Uh, the perfection. The picture here. So, I I don't like that for Ottawa. But possible, but the possible reach for the second pick in a row is a scar off. And again, it's a rare piece to find. The Senators do have a couple of good goaltending prospects. Mad Sogard, who played Medicine Hat. Uh, Philip Gustafson, uh, 2016 second rounder. They got from... Pittsburgh drafted, but they got him from Pittsburgh in blanking on the trade at this moment. But they do have depth in the pipes. But again, Askarov is just such a rare piece. Don't be stunned. Don't expect it, but don't be stunned by it. Six, Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond to the Ducks because the Ducks have had a lot of success taking Swedish-born kids. They have. You think of, go back to Ricard Raquel and Hampus Lindholm. They didn't draft them, but Jakob Silverberg has been terrific for them. Uh, Jacob Larson's still scuffling a bit, but he's pretty, he's established himself as at least an NHL defenseman at this point uh, and still got upside. Marcus Pedersen, they traded to Pittsburgh, but He was another excellent pick. So they've had a lot of good success drafting out of Sweden. And, of course, two years ago, uh, they took uh, Isaac Lundestrom. Uh, Is that two years ago? Yeah, that was two years ago. Uh, They took Lundestrom around 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. Uh, In the first round, anyway. And he looks like a, a good prospect. 
not maybe the home run that I thought he was going to be. I had I was pretty high on Lundstrom, but still a really good pick. Um, so I like Raymond here. I fully admit I'm hesitant on Raymond because he is falling for a lot of people. I don't get why. Love his speed. I love his vision. A lot of people compare him to Mitch Marner. For me, ironically, I compare him to Paul Correa. The other option here, Cole Perfetti. Um, again, I don't like him over Raymond because of the speed. Um, I don't like him for the Ducks, but it sure seems like he's a strong possibility with this pick. The possible reach here, Caden Gooley. And for the same reason that Cosentino loves Perfetti to go to the wings, I think Gooley is a legit, especially, especially if the two defensemen, Sanderson and Drysdale, are off the board. I could see the Ducks reaching on Gooley here. You say, wow, you trade back. Motherfucker, how often do trade downs happen in the draft anymore? How often do trades happen in the NHL, period, anymore? Like, you can't just scream, trade back, trade back, when nobody will trade with you. It's not that simple. You know, and what? So what? You trade back, teams are going to start settling for seventh-round picks as the compensation to move back five spots? That's what's going to happen? Oh, well, it looked better for us. That's why we did the trade. Like, come on. So, Gooley's a possibility here. All the ties to the Ducks organization. I think of Josh Manson, and I think of his... Well, I th- let's go back to this, because I, I don't think I've told the story on the podcast before. I'm not going to tell all the details of the story, but essentially what I've been told from pretty reliable sources, the entire reason that Josh Manson was drafted by the Ducks was... Dave Manson's ex-defense partner, Bob Murray, doing Dave a favor. And then, once Josh got to the Ducks organization, guess who helped develop him more than anyone? Trent Yanni, former teammate and good friend of Dave Manson. Josh Manson, as it was told to me by someone, fell into the perfect absolute perfect scenario best case possible he was a favor it was a favor and now josh manson full credit to josh manson he is one of my favorite defensemen in the league the progression that kid's made has been amazing but he was a favor so don't write off the fact that Caden Gooley, who plays his junior hockey in Prince Albert, where Dave Manson still resides, and Josh Manson still, quote-unquote, summers, and the organization that also has Caden's brother Brendan in it, don't tell me it couldn't happen. There's a lot of ties there. And that's their need. Above all else, the well, franchise center, but... The Ducks, as much as they had the best young blue line in the league a few years ago, and they still have a pretty good young blue line, the Ducks in the organization have nothing coming on the blue line. And Caden Gooley needs three years. So, 
it's a chance. There's a chance. Seven, Jersey Devils, Cole Perfetti. This is where the fall ends for Perfetti. It's too high for me. I've got him 10th. But <laughs> but everybody loves Perfetti. Perfetti apparently could go as high as four. Um, everybody loves his IQ. I worry about the boots myself, and I worry about the dangling that he won't be able to do to NHL defensemen. But if he... Uh, can clean up those aspects of his game. He's a hell of a player. The other option here, not the reach at this point, the other option is Askarov. And I said this in the mini mock draft that I did. The Devils don't have quality goaltending in their system right now, despite taking one goaltender in each of the last five drafts. Though in fairness, Mackenzie Blackwood looks like he's legit. Uh, I'm talking about in the system, though. Plus, as we found out this last few seasons, every goaltender needs to. You need a guy who can at least play 32 games as your backup, at least. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's a possibility for the Devils. And the other reason you might say, well, the Devils could have three first-round picks, so why not just wait till one of those other picks? Because I don't think he's getting past the next pick. So that's why Askarov, I believe, could go at 7, is because they won't get him at 10. The possible reach here, Braden Schneider. Now, this will clear up in the weeks to come, but as of right now, we don't know if the Devils have three first-round picks. They may only have one. Arizona might win Lafreniere, and the Vancouver Canucks might lose to the Minnesota Wild in the play-in round. In that scenario... The New Jersey Devils would only have one first-round pick. And then I ask myself, what is the New Jersey Devils need? They desperately, they need defensemen in general, but they desperately need a right-shot defenseman. Braden Schneider. I'm not near as high on Braden Schneider as some. I wouldn't pick him at seven. But again, this is why the possible reach thing is so fun. Because... I could see that being the case. Although, yeah, Tom Fitzgerald, I'm not sure, who it sounds like as of recording this is going to be named GM and Lindy Ruff is going to be named head coach. Anyway, as I said already, I got a scar off at eight. Um, I just, he's such a rare prospect to find. I know they have Lukanen in the system. He was a second round pick in 2017 and he looks really good so far. So I and I know this does not, you know, I'm saying this and people are screaming, "This doesn't fix their goaltending today." I'm not saying that that's why they'd pick him. I believe the Sabres would pick him because I believe Kevin Adams is going to walk into that job. He's going to identify goaltending as the organization's biggest need by a country mile. And he's going to say, you know what? I'm just going to put a stop to this right now. Not only am I going to go look for a stud we can rely on and maybe a stud that we can pair up with Linus Olmark. Uh, I almost said Olmark. Olmark. <laughs> Linus Olmark, part of hope. Um, <laughs> I just, I think Kevin Adams is going to say, I'm just going to do everything I can right now to make sure this is no longer an issue. And he takes the scar off. And you know what? If 
Lukanen and Askarov both pan out, that is a hell of a problem to have. Nothing wrong with that at all. Plus with Askarov, I keep saying this, he's rare, but he's got franchise goaltender ability. How fucking easy is it to find a franchise goaltender? Come on. Like, I know they're a crapshoot. I know that, but shit, man, this kid. Oh, I don't know. I worry that he's going to fall. Well, I mean, don't worry. If the Oilers end up picking 20th, I sure as fuck hope he falls. He would be the piece that the Oilers need in the system. As much as people want to disagree with me at that, I know huh, my buddy Eric might be listening right now, but <laughs> I know when I was on with Eric Friesen uh, a few months ago and we were talking about uh, where the Oilers could go with their first-round pick, and I said Iskarov, I could tell Eric was not a fan of that. So, <laughs> But Eric's become a, become a good buddy of mine, so I think I can joke about that. But, yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could tell by the tone Eric wasn't wasn't a fan of that suggestion. I think since then Low Tides actually made that suggestion too. Um yeah, it's I'm super high on Askarov. I really am. Uh the other option here, Marco Rossi, the Sens pissed away Ryan O'Reilly, and they really could use a second line center somehow. Because they've drafted Casey Middlestat and Sam Reinhart, and yet here they are still needing a second-line center. Uh, but they do, and Rossi would fit the bill. Someone who could really help uh, Jack Eichel out with the heavy lifting. I probably should have put Anton Lundell here as the possible reach because I've really liked Lundell to the Sabres for a long time. But I ended up putting Hendricks Lapierre. And again, as I, I've talked about before, Lapierre is the total wild card in this draft, and uh, you know he's gonna he's in this spot for for a couple picks because he gets a clean bill of health. Teams are gonna want him. Kid was spectacular. He was a highly ranked prospect entering the Helenka last year, and then he was terrific in the Helenka. Ran into the injury issues. Is it a neck? Is it concussions? I think it actually is the neck. And I think it is very fixable. I don't think it's something that's going to hurt him long-term. Ninth pick. Talked about this with my buddy Zach, who's a Habs fan the other day. I got Marco Rossi going ninth. Got him fifth on my rankings, but I got him going ninth. The comp's been Sebastian Aho for me all year long. 59179. Um, I know I hate saying that the Habs are going to take another small forward, but look past the size for a minute and just look at what the Habs need. They need a center. They need that guy who can be their number one center. And even though Rossi doesn't have the skating you'd really like him to have as a five foot nine center, he just plays such a professional game. So good 200 feet. So smart out there. I, I just think he is going to be a – I think he's going to be a first-line center. I really do. I'm higher on him than, than most seem to be. Um, the other option, I put Seth Jarvis. I really didn't know where to go with the other option, though, because um, I don't like Seth Jarvis for the Habs, honestly. I, I don't – I mean, I don't like Seth Jarvis for the Habs. I don't like um, – I guess Lundell's a possibility – uh, like I don't like Alexander Holtz is way up on a lot of people's boards. I don't like him for the Habs. 
Uh, Jack Quinn, another guy. I don't like that. I mean, the Habs took that guy last year. They took Cole Perfetti. I mean, that's you're getting the same guy, and you can't have a team full of shooters. You just can't. It's not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I like Rossi. The other option was Jarvis because, again, at least he's a playmaker. You know, I'm getting so sick of the Habs taking the small, skilled guys, though, when it just has not been working for them. Mind you, in fairness, they took Kakaniemi in 2018, and that one's been not great, although I'm definitely not writing that kid off. Um, The possible reach is Hendricks Lapierre, and no, it's not because he's played in the queue. I mean, he grew up in Gatineau, which is in the Ottawa region, plays in Chicoutimi in English, which is north of Quebec City, he's, just because he's French. He's not a local product. Um, but he fits for the same reasons Rossi does, and again, if he has a clean bill of health. I've really got to speed this up. I'm at 40 minutes already. My voice is killing me. Oh, jeez. Seth Jarvis, 10th to Chicago. Uh I love Seth Jarvis. This would be lower for me. I've got him ninth, although this will be the ninth pick, so I guess that's right on. Um, love Seth Jarvis. The other option is Alexander Holtz. Check out my top 64 list podcast or the write-up if you uh, want to get my feelings on Holtz. Possible reach here, Lucas Reichel. And again, the risers always go higher than expected. And Lucas Reichel fits Chicago for the same reason that Seth Jarvis fits Chicago, which is Chicago is a team that just drafts purely on skill. Look at their last two drafts for sure, if not their last three. They go skill, skill, skill. They don't give much of a fuck about anything else. And that's a sound approach. That really is. Draft skill, see if we can mold them into something that we need. It's not dumb. 11. This is where I have Braden Schneider going because I don't think Braden Schneider would make it to 17 where potentially that would be the Devils' next pick if they have three firsts. And there's much less of a chance that they have that Vancouver pick than they won't, that they won't have this pick. This pick is highly likely. There is a... Oh, well... Yeah, there's a pretty, there's just, there's a pretty good chance that they'll have this pick. I mean... Arizona wins Lafreniere, then they lose it. Barring that, they have it. Um, and, I mean, I laid it out earlier. You know, I Schneider's a need. And I think when you've got this many picks in the first round, as they potentially do, uh, they don't have a second rounder, I don't believe. Well, they traded theirs. I shouldn't say they don't have a second, but they traded theirs. Um, yeah, I think they'll reach on Schneider. I think he makes a lot of sense for them. But it's tough to tell. Because new GM, Tom Fitzgerald, he might feel secure in his job. And, you know, he'll, he knows he's going to have a few years to, to put this all together. So maybe he says, fuck it, I don't, I don't need to take need right now. Uh, you know, and the other thing is if GMs and scouts are paying attention, the 2021 draft is absolutely fucking loaded with defensemen. So it is not, it shouldn't be, a big need or a big desire for teams to take defensemen super high. The other option that I give is Caden Gooley. Obviously, the same idea. Uh, I like Gooley much better as a prospect than Schneider. Schneider's more ready, but Gooley 
has got even better skating, even more edge, a little bit better size, although he's not as filled out yet. Um, yeah, I, I think Gooley's got more of an offensive upside. Yeah, really high on Caden Gooley, but he's a left-shot defenseman. Schneider's a right-shot defenseman. Possible reach, Justin Barron. Uh, Justin Barron entered the season, uh, I think I had him 11th on my initial list. A lot of people had him 10 to 15 range on their initial list. Shit season, had a blood clot in his shoulder, I want to say. Uh, but skates well, moves it well, good size, 6-2. Uh, he still ended up 25th, I think, on Bob's on Bob McKenzie's board. So I'm just looking up. Yes, it was, 25th. So possible reach here, but this wouldn't have been a reach at the start of the season. But I, I think over Schneider or Gooley, I can't see it. Um Gooley is the one who goes 12. Minnesota, this is a need pick for Minnesota. Uh, I couldn't believe, because Minnesota, it didn't seem like that long ago, they had one of the best young blue lines in the league, right there with Anaheim's, with Dumba, Jonas Brodeen, and some other guys. They have nothing in the system anymore, unless you count Philip Johansson, who they picked in 2018 and had everyone going, What? And Johansson is not progressing very well. Um, that was Mike Russo's buddy, Paul Fenton's pick. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Mike Russo. <laughs> Just kidding, Mike. I know you're a listener. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... I just think it's a case of this team badly needs a defenseman, take the best defenseman on the board, and also this isn't a reach. This is this is right around. I know other people will say Alexander Holtz, who I have him as the other option here. Um, he's now falling for where most people had him. He, he made sense for Chicago, or he might make sense for Chicago. Perhaps Minnie still sees him as, as someone they just can't pass on. I don't see Holtz as that guy, but... And then the possible reach, again, is Justin Barron. The, basically the exact same reasons that I laid out for why he'd be a reach for Jersey. Uh, maybe Minnesota would reach on him here. I doubt it, but anything's possible, as Kevin Garnett once taught us. 13. This is interesting. This is extremely interesting, in my opinion. I have the Winnipeg Jets taking Anton Lundell, who I have ranked 21st, but... On McKenzie's list, Lundell, I think, is 12th? Yes. Yes, he is. Was surprised that he stayed up there because most people soured on him. But he remains up there. It's hockey IQ. It's 200-foot game. It's the wheels are the question. Here's the thing, and I say this is what I say in the write-up. Does anyone else notice how much the Jets have kept going back to the well in Finland? They've taken six in the last five drafts. They also have a need down the middle. They believe in heavy more than speed. I have a strong suspicion that Lundell will be their guy. Okay, so that's what I say for Lundell. Then I got to the other option. The other option for me is Ridley Gregg, who you could put in the possible reach category. Ridley Gregg, this is the 13th pick. McKenzie has him 24th. So that, I think, would be considered a reach. 
But there's a reason I don't put Ridley Gregg as the reach. We'll get to that. What I say for Ridley Gregg, the Wheat Kings are basically, I don't say this word for word, but the Wheat Kings are basically still in the Jets' backyard, even though they aren't the closest WHL team to them anymore. That's obviously the Winnipeg Ice. Add to that, center is the need. They have nothing in the system. They, they've craved a second-line center forever. Also, the GM knows the Wheat Kings very well. Kevin Cheveldayoff, former Brandon Wheat King. I'm also sure he'd know Ridley's dad, Greg, pretty damn well, given they were in the same draft class, 1990. They would have played against each other a ton. The Jets also have showcased in the past. They aren't afraid to take the guy they love slash the riser. Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey. Shifley was a riser. Morrissey wasn't, but Morrissey was really off the board, and they said, fuck it, we love Josh Morrissey, we're going to take him. Both home run picks. They also did that with Patrick Laine. Get the joke? That was a joke. Wasn't a good one. This is why Ridley Gregg isn't the possible reach. The possible reach... Jack Finley. Now, this isn't a reach for my board, neither is Ridley Gregg. But it sure would be, according to Bob McKenzie's list, as he has Finley 55th. So why does Jeff, or Jeff Jack Finley make sense for the Jets? Well, what I just said about Ridley Gregg? Yeah, there's a few more close connections with Jack Finley. And I mean... Again, this organization loves heavy hockey. They are not afraid of the big forward, the big two-way forward. They're not afraid. They love that guy. But here's the big reason why Jack Finley is a possibility at 13. The Winnipeg Jets head scout. No, sorry, not their head scout. One of the Winnipeg Jets amateur scouts, Jeff Finley. As I say in the write-up, and I'm sorry because a lot of this is, if you've read the mock and now you're listening to this, I'm sorry that a lot of this is repetitive, but if Steve Tambellini were the Jets GM, this pick would be a lock to happen. A lock. Moving on. Love that one, though. There is so much to chew on with that pick. I really think that's going to be a center, but that is going to be so interesting to, you know, obviously barring them winning Lafreniere. 14, the draft's wild card goes. Hendricks Lapierre goes to the New York Rangers. And this love suggesting this for so many reasons. The Rangers system is pretty stocked right now, and they own a second first-round pick. It'll either be the Leafs or the Canes, unsure yet. Uh, and they badly need a center in the system. Badly. So Lapierre, while he's not as safe as those three guys that I just mentioned, Lapierre has, without a doubt, the biggest upside of those three. He has, shit, I don't want to say first-line center ability, but it's damn close. It is damn close. That kind of upside. Um, 
If he checks out health-wise, I really think the Rangers will take a big swing on him here. Other option, Alexander Holtz. Again, he's falling. I get it. Not for me, but for most. Possible reach here, Dylan Holloway. Um, I probably should pick the other guy that I actually mocked to the Mets <laughs> at uh, the next pick. I didn't give that any thought, to be honest with you, as I was writing this. But uh, that, that would only be a, a reach for me. Bob McKenzie has him 16th. Um, I will say, though, like, McKenzie suggests Jarvis will go higher than his board says. His board has Jarvis 18th, but he's basically come out since then and, like, said, yeah, no, that's kind of an anomaly. That's not really what's probably going to happen with Jarvis. I believe Holloway will actually go lower than Bob. Like, I think I can see a lot of reasons why scouts will sour on Holloway. Um, in a way, he's boomer bust. He's got potential to be Dylan Larkin, but I believe he's only going to be a top nine winger, maybe a top nine center, like maybe a third line center. But yeah, it's I've soured on Holloway. Fifteenth um, pick, Alexander Holtz, finally off the board to Florida. I don't really. Uh, this was a tough one for me. I just kind of felt like the Panthers would probably see it and be like, you know what, we can't let him fall any further. we got to take him here. Um, I have a tough time trying to figure out where the Panthers will go. You know, the other option is Jack Quinn, and Jack Quinn, Alexander Holtz, they're back-to-back for me. I like Quinn better. The Panthers have drafted a lot out of the OHL over the years, so that would make a lot of sense. But... I think some will just see Holtz as this amazing talent, and I'm not sure that he's that. The big need for the Panthers is defense, so the possible reach is William Wallinder here. Uh, But I could make a case for several uh, defensemen. But uh, that's the possible... But yeah, Holtz finally goes off the board at 15. 16, Columbus Blue Jackets, Lucas Reichel. This one scares me, not because I think Lucas Reichel couldn't go to the Blue Jackets if he's still on the board at 16. It's that, as I say in the write-up, risers rise. And I think Reichel ends up being the kid, being a kid who will shock some people as to how high he'll go. You know, going into the 2018 draft, I was preaching the same shit at that time. And I said... Liam Foodie's going to go way higher than anyone expects. And I think I mocked him to go 20th to L.A., and that was higher than anyone else had him. And I said, hey, risers rise. Liam Foodie went 18th to Columbus. They, nobody other than Elliot Friedman, Sam Cosentino, and I hate patting myself on the back, but myself, thought that Pierre-Luc Dubois could go three in 2016. I had Dubois three on my list. I didn't think Columbus was going to take him. I thought Columbus was going to trade down from three. I I just, I thought there's no way. There, there's no way that they're not going to trade out of that pick. But the point is, everybody, everybody in hockey was saying, oh, they're going to pick Pugliarvi because Kekalainen's finish and so is Pugliarvi. Like, Great logic there, guys. Uh, 
go back to the early 2000s and tell everyone why every player from the same country should play together because they're from the same country. So, of course, they would have great chemistry, you know. Got to play the Czechs together. Got to play the Russians together. Got to play the Swedes together. Right, guys? Uh, (laughs) That was a thing. Anyway... (laughs) The Jackets have shown they are not afraid to go with the riser. Reichel's a riser. And I don't really have a good feel as to where the Jackets would want to go with this pick. I don't really see too good a defenseman in their system, but they've got a good, still pretty young blue line. Um, And again, there's not really a D-man that makes sense at this point, according to Bob McKenzie's board. Um, Jack Quinn... Still makes sense here too, but we'll see. I like Reichel better myself. And, you know, I I don't think they would take a defenseman here. But if they did, a guy like Wallinder makes sense. But a guy, the guy that I pick is Helga Granz because for the possible reach, I didn't want to say the same guy too many times. <laughs> so I went with Granz. Uh, the Flames get what will probably be viewed for them as a gift. They get Jack Quinn at 17. Uh, I don't understand why the Flames organization is so desperate for a right winger when, to me, everything points towards that blue line being an absolute overrated mess and they have nothing coming in the system, although guys like Valimaki, Anderson, Shillington to a lesser extent, obviously they're still real young guys. Even Hannafin's still really young. Hannafin and Anderson are the same age, so it's not like you should write off Hannafin just yet. But... um, I, I don't like that blue line right now, but they seem to be hell-bent on, on getting a right winger. And Quinn, while I don't ever project a team to pick for current need, Quinn could step right in. He's he's a late 0-1. He, he just missed last year's draft by a couple weeks. I think he's September 23rd, I want to say. Uh, so Quinn might be able to step right in, and yeah, he'd be good pick at 17. He really would be. The other option, Dawson Mercer, same idea as Quinn, uh, even for how ready Dawson Mercer is. Uh, I think Quinn's the better prospect by a little bit. I think most people see it that way. Then the possible reach, Ozzy Weisblatt. He is 16th for me, so it's not a reach for me. McKenzie has him 40th, and other people have him pretty low too. Um, I still think he's going to go first round. I don't like Buck and Bob's board, but I I think he's still going to go first round. And he's a Calgary kid. So I'm sure the Flames know him very, very well. Next pick is Jersey, and I got Jersey picking Dawson Mercer. If you're wondering why my voice is a little more powerful for this pick, it's because I just took a little bit of a break. Um... Yeah, not much to say on Mercer. I really like him. I think he's going to fit in so easy. He's just going to be a steady, point-producing winger. I don't think he's got a real high ceiling, but I think he's a safe top six kind of guy. Great hands, good enough size, wheels are good enough. Yeah, I, I really like Dawson Mercer. Again, not in love with the upside, but to get a mid-first round be a great pick. Um, excuse me. Uh, this is why I should edit, uh, is when I polish off a whiskey, I should, uh, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> the other option I got, Jacob Perot. He scares me. I got him 33. Uh, most people have him in this range, though. He's a home run hack that someone will take. Um, if that phrase makes sense, I, I meant to say that someone will take a home run hack on him. Um, and, you know, Jersey's, you know, in this scenario, they would have three first rounders. So they would make a lot of sense to do that. Possible reach pick, Toppy Nimala. Uh, and again, I could go with Grands again. I could go with Wallinder. But Nimala's another kid who's going to get first-round looks by some teams because he's a polarizing guy for a lot of scouts. Some scouts don't, uh, don't love his top-end speed. Other scouts are in love with the way he skates. Uh, he's really mobile. Like, he's mobile. His edge work is, you know... His, it's just his top end speed, but he's thin, right? So is that top end speed going to come when he gets more power? Like that was Ben Johnson's thing. Ben Johnson just didn't have the stamina to finish. He could start great. His explosiveness was great, but he didn't have the top end speed. But then once he started taking steroids, then he had it. So what I'm saying is that Toppy Niamla, Nimala, why am I why am I fucking up his name? Toppy Nimala needs to take steroids and then he'll be a gold medal winning defenseman. Does that make sense? I might be going crazy. I've done like four hours of recording now and I'm still not done. 19, Nashville, Ridley Gregg. I've got him 19th on my list, ironically. Uh, McKenzie has him 24th. I just see this as Nashville's type of player. I there's not a big need for a center or you know Ridley Gregg obviously a center can play the wing, but I just see him as you know they love the high motor guys um, and they're willing to sacrifice from some uh, some skill to get it, and Ridley Gregg just feels like one of their guys. Um, and, you know, they have a need for defense, but they own Jersey's second-round pick, which I believe as we're speaking, and I don't think anything would hurt this, but uh, that would be 38 and, f- 38 and 50 that they own for their second-rounders. So they, they also got their own second-rounder. So they could go D with those picks. And, it you know, with a team like Nashville who's got a window that's closing, um, it's tough to say how far away Ridley Gregg is. You look at his size and how much weight he has still to put on, and he's a ways away. You look at his game, he plays a real, really pro game, which is why I've liked him since the start of the season. I mean, I, most guys were stunned that he made the Holenka team. I had him. He was in my top 10 WHL list, had him ahead of Schneider, and ironically, he finishes ahead of Schneider too. Uh yeah, I just think that he would be their guy. That's that's a total hunch, though, really. Um, other option. The other option is William Wallinder. Uh, he's been a possible reach. Now I got him as the other option because he's 27th on Bob's board. He's, so by this point, that's not really a reach. And again, uh, a defenseman with a ton of upside. A ton. The way he skates and his size... He'll take a while to develop, but the juice could be worth the squeeze as far as waiting on William Wallinder to develop. 
He has a ton of upside. The possible reach, I got Victor Pearson here. And I in the write-up, I say he's one of my guys, and then I quickly correct myself. Because he's not, you know, I didn't find Victor Pearson. I heard guys like Ryan Barr and I saw Hockey Prospect. They were high on him, did my homework on him, and I just started to absolutely love him. Uh, good size, good, real good skater. Uh, really good move in the puck. He has a lot of rawness in his game, but I think you give him some time. He's he's a safer bet than Wallinder or Grimes. Um, so he would be my possible reacher. Plus, Nashville's had a pretty good track record drafting on Sweden. So that's also what I'm thinking both for both those guys for Nashville, honestly. 20th pick. This one, for me, I feel like was one of the easier ones to, to call. This is currently Carolina's pick. Uh, it's the pick that – it's actually Toronto's pick that came over to them uh, for Patrick Marlowe. Carolina has to give up their worst of their two first-rounders to, to New York. That was the Brady-Sky deal. Um, ski, Sky, ski, Um Oh, fuck, I'm losing it. <laughs> anyway, um, I have – it's Jacob Perot. And because Carolina has shown under Eric Toluski, because I refuse to say that it's Don Waddell, under Eric Toluski, what is wrong with me? Am I seriously losing it this bad? Whoo! Four closing in on five hours of recording, and I'm really losing it. Eric Tulski. I refuse to give Don Waddell the credit. Maybe I give Rick Dudley the credit. But from all accounts, this is Eric Tulski's baby in Carolina. I consider him the GM. Obviously, he's not the one making the picks, but it's his philosophy, I believe, that they're following, which is the same as Chicago's. Just take skill. Jacob Perot, high-end skill. Awful motor. Big time work ethic concerns, but a high end, high end skill set. Great skater, which his dad wasn't. Great shot, which his dad didn't have. Pretty good hands, which his dad didn't have. He would be who I think Carolina would take. Other option, Rodion Amirov, same idea. Possible reach, Brendan Brisson, same idea. Brisson isn't projected to go for another 10 picks. It wasn't much of a reach, but I got Amirov going 21. Well, it would actually be 20. To who? That would be my team, the Edmonton Oilers. You ask me, I fucking hate this pick. But I don't do the mock draft as the way I would pick. I do the mock draft as the way I think it'll break down. Tough to say if this regime would take a Russian kid or not here. They took... Yevgeny Sveshnikov, Andre's brother, in the first round in 2015, and that pick has not gone well. They did take two Russian kids in last year's draft, so that's what leads me to believe that they would. Um, yeah, Russian forwards have had a incredible bust rate since the 2004 draft when three of them were home run picks. Well, two of them were home run picks. That was Ovi and Malkin. And then 
Alexander Radulov took a while, but he's finally turned into what everyone thought he would be. The other option that I have here, Connor Zary. I have been pounding the table for the Oilers to address center for four drafts now. Yes, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they have two of the best centers, if not the, well, no, I won't say two, the two best centers, but two of the top five centers in the game. But they have nothing coming in the organization. And it's clear now Ryan Nugent Hopkins is much more effective on the wing than he is down the middle. So they, But if you want to consider Ryan Nugent Hopkins a center, great. He's a UFA a year from now. If Ridley Gregg fell to this pick, I would love that. Zary scares me a little. Um, his, his wheels aren't great, but McKenzie does have him in this range, and he would make a lot of sense for the Oilers. Plus, being a WHL kid, I'm sure they know him pretty well. Possible reach, this is the guy who I would pick for the Oilers, Ozzy Weisblatt. I think he would fit perfectly. And the Oilers, they would probably know him very, very well. Uh, I could see it happening. I hope it's not just me hoping for it. I, I think I, I, I really do think it can happen. I just think he would fit perfect. The other thing I don't say with the Oilers write-up that I should say is they're a strong candidate to trade down. Very strong. That's kind of Ken Holland's ammo. Uh, ammo. Oh my God, I'm losing it. Plus, my throat is so sore. I feel like I've got COVID, and I don't. I've just been talking a lot nonstop for four hours. Uh, yeah, I could really see Kenny Holland trading down. I mean, in this draft, as I've said, for me, you get to about the 15th pick, and 15 to 60 is not very much of a gap. It really isn't. This is a draft chocked full of second rounders is a way to say it. So at this point, I kind of feel like this is second rounder range. You know, you're already in the if you're already in the second round at 21, what difference is going to make if you move all the way back to say, I don't know, 33 and then recoup a sec- another second rounder say at 60. You know, I have no idea who who owns those picks, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Ottawa, who has a ton of picks, uh, they're up next at 22. This is the Islanders pick, the, the pick that they got for Pajot. Can't believe that the Islanders, sinking like they were, gave up a first-round pick for J.G. Pajot. Um, but anyway, and I love Pajot, but... I got the I got the sense taken Wallinder and I've brought up Wallinder a lot but I think you know why that I just think that upside is going to be too tempting for teams to pass on. Uh, I really do. Uh, and again the Sens could just add to their blue line. I really like them to take a D-man here cuz D-men kind of make a lot more sense in this range. Uh, the other option was Helga Grands and again I like Grands a smidge better than Wallinder because he moves the puck so well. Um, and you can you can make an argument for both kids. Both are just so, so raw. Wallinder's higher on Bob's board. Wallinder's 27, and Grands is, I want to say, 32 without looking. So that's, yeah, that I think either guy, though, is, is definitely a possibility. Plus, the Sens have had such great success drafting out of Sweden over the years. And that's a big reason why I 
think that makes sense too. The possible reach? Well, it's because they've drafted heavy out of another region lately, and that's Ronan Seeley. Again, defenseman. Ronan Seeley's not even on Bob's list. Uh, but the, the Sens have drafted a ton of kids out of the West in general. Uh, when you include Tier 2, like uh, 2018, they took Jacob Bernard Docker from Okotoks. And I can't remember what team, I want to say it was Penticton in the BC League, that Johnny Tychonic played in. But Tychonic, Tychonic. Um, but anyway, I think it was Penticton with the Vs, but it was out of the BC League anyway. So ironically, those two actually were uh, best buds growing up. Uh yeah, the the Sens have have drafted a lot out of the West, and so maybe if they're looking for a defenseman, maybe they look to the West. And ah, people are sleeping on Sealy, man. If you're if you're one of those guys who tries to say, you know, I don't look at the stats. Oh, okay, then you love Ronan Sealy, right? But the truth is, people look at the stats. You want to look at the stats though with Sealy. 30 points in his final 46 games. He was actually having, he actually just had a terrible start. And he was stuck behind so much talent. Everett had the best blue line in the dub this season, especially after they acquired Puccio. So, man, I, I think Seeley's going to stun a lot of people. Can't see it. Don't expect him to go first round. But possible reach is about who the teams might reach on. So I picked Ronan Seeley. 23, Tyson Forrester goes to the Dallas Stars. I just see him as their kind of guy. I've got Forrester all the way down at 52nd on my board because I the skating scares the hell out of me. His 5-on-5 five five production wasn't great, so that also scares me. Also, he's a, he's a big shot guy, quote-unquote, which I'm just not as high on those types of players. Um... Dallas has drafted a lot of guys out of the OHL, especially one in particular in 2017, very similar prospect in Jason Robertson. Uh, Very, very big concerns about Robertson's skating, but everything else checked out, and that's kind of the way Forrester is. Uh, The other option here, I put Meshack, Jan Meshack, uh, also fits the OHL bill, and I think he's more of a safer pick. And then the possible reach, I picked Luke, Evangelista from the London Knights. Um, he was one that I'm really late on. If you, you check out my top 64, either write up or the podcast, uh, you'll hear why. Um, you know, he, he's another kid who feels like a riser to me. He's still, I think, 50th on Bob's list. Um, I, I got a hunch that he's going in the first round. I can't put my finger on why, but I just have a hunch he's going to end up going first round. The the thing about Dallas, more than anything, I I, I reckon or I, I I have a hunch that they'll go OHL. But the big thing that I was looking for with Dallas's pick is offensive talent, and I couldn't find a guy that I I really liked for them to take. That team cannot score. Then they and they don't have a. They don't have that star offensive talent in their system either. So that's what I was trying to do with that pick more than take just simply take an OHL kid. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think the, the stars should take the best talent on the board and just 
hope for the best. That might be Noel Gundler. Uh, another guy who I didn't mention, but is possible. 24, the Rangers. Could be the Rangers anyway. Uh, this is Carolina's pick. Brady Sky trade. Uh, again, Ski or Sky. Why do I always call him Sky? There's too many vowels. As uh, Chance the Rapper said, there's just there's just too many vowels. Let's let's do that hockey. Um, Jan Meshack's going to the Rangers at 24 with this pick. Uh, I didn't do the write-up for Jan Meshack. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I'm doing this podcast, so when the uh, blog comes out, I can uh, I can fix that up. Uh, <laughs> there was so much to write uh, about how the trade works that I had a paragraph and glossed over it about eight times that I proofread it and didn't uh, notice that I missed that. Uh, <laughs> there's, I had a tough time with this one because there's another guy. I might like him better. I don't know. I was torn on it. I think Meshack makes sense for the Rangers. I also think Dylan Holloway makes sense for the Rangers. But Dylan Holloway almost made more sense for the Rangers, even though I didn't put him here. Because he they would have seen him a lot this season because he was a teammate at Wisconsin of Keandre Miller, who is their stud prospect defenseman. And, of course, some of you unfortunately know him from that uh, just fucking... I don't even know what that was. That I mean... You can call it racist. I, I obviously it was. I'm assuming though, knowing people, that it was some dipshit teenager who thought it would be funny to hack that chat and do that. Whatever it was, piece of shit. It doesn't begin to describe whoever did that. Um, the possible reach here. And again, this kind of goes back. The whole thinking here, by the way, Meshack is because the Rangers have drafted quite a few Czech kids over the years. Uh, most recently, Philip uh, Um But Meshack, Holloway, both potential centers, even though I don't think they'll end up there, but they both do play the middle currently. Um, the possible reach... Again, thinking center, but I mean, I, I, I say that, yet I had them picking Lapierre. I don't think center would be the big craving. Um, yeah, and that's and I say that about Meshack, or I will say that about Meshack, and, and I say that about Holloway, that, you know, it, it's not even so much about them playing center. It's just them being big talents that are still on the board for the Rangers. If they don't pick Lapierre, as I said, Murat Kushnutdinov. And I say his name so carefully. I'll no I won't bullshit anyone. I don't know if I'm properly pronouncing it. I just have done the work on him. I have watched clips on him. Um not with an English commentator. So I am not entirely sure. I should look it up. I said this when I did the top sixty-four. I should look it up on Elite Prospect because they sometimes have the pronunciation of the kid on their site. Um, <laughs> anyway, kid that I really like, Bob has him at 35, I have him at 36. I mean, size is a bit of a concern. Mostly the concern, though, is that he's a little inconsistent. He's a big talent, though, and the Rangers aren't a 
team that's afraid to take Russian kids. 25, Minnesota, they take Dylan Holloway. Minnesota's shown over the years, and this is tough because Billy Guerin's probably made some changes to that amateur staff, so it's always tougher to tell what a team might do when they overhaul their front office. I guess they didn't overhaul it, but they brought in a new GM. Um, they've taken, you know, they've gone first round Wisconsin before, 2016 with Luke Coonan. Uh you know they i know holloway's a calgary kid but they they like to take the us based kids no matter what level they're at is the best way to put it whether it's high school ushl maybe they're at the development program or maybe they're already in the ncaa that's kind of where they like to draft Minnesota's weird because Minnesota, maybe more than anywhere else, probably some would say Montreal. Yeah, that's fair. But Minnesota, like Montreal, is a market that really likes their own. They really like their own. Holloway's not one of their own, but when you go the NCAA route, uh, you know, knowing how Minnesota likes to draft, I, I could see that being the pick. Um, the other option I say huh, is uh, I say Jack Finley here. And I know that's a reach for a lot of people. I Maybe I should have put that as the possible reach. But I went with him as the other option. I was going to say Connor Zary. But I would guess, this is my logic, I would guess they know Finley well given he was playing 2019 or with their 2019 I think third round selection Adam Beckman pretty sure he was third round he played with him a fair bit this season he's on the same team again he wasn't playing with Beckman nearly as much as some have suggested but he did play with him there were there were games that he played with Beckman uh so again they need a center they need defensemen, but I had them taking a defenseman at, uh, is it the 12th pick or 11th pick, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I, I think they go center here, but maybe they do the reverse. Go center there and pick defenseman. By the way, this is Pittsburgh's pick originally. This came over to Minnesota in the Jason Zucker deal. Probably should make sure I mention that for every pick, but I haven't. So sorry if I've missed some of the trades. Um. I mean, I'm higher on Finley the most, but I just, I, sometimes there are just kids who, even though others aren't putting them high on their list, I go, there's no way NHL teams wouldn't, some NHL team wouldn't see what I'm seeing. Finley's that guy, Ozzy Weisblatt's that guy. There's just no way. But in Ozzy, for Ozzy Weisblatt, some people do have him around where I have him. Jack Finley, nobody has where I have him. Uh, so, but I, I you know, it, it's interesting. He definitely could be a consideration for Minnesota there. The possible reach, Tyler Clevin, same idea as Holloway. Um, again, they have a big need for defensemen. So, so that makes sense. He's from North Dakota. He's going to North Dakota. I know that isn't Minnesota, but it is pretty local. They definitely the wild would be the the closest team, I believe, maybe closer than Winnipeg, but does Winnipeg count because it's across the border? I don't know. 
Pat Brisson's kid, Brendan, goes 26 to the Philadelphia Flyers. Philly, again, like Minnesota lately, they've they've taken kids that they've loved drafting kids out of the U.S. system in general. Um, you know, last year they took Cam York. Uh, last year they took Bobby Brink. Uh, the year before it was uh, Jay O'Brien and it was Joel Farabee. And uh, going back to 2017, Morgan Frost was one. But I'm trying to think now. I thought they had another first. Oh, well, Nolan Patrick. Uh, so that's kind of where the the run ends. But the last two years, they they've really drafted heavy. Um, you know, this will be Chuck Fletcher's first true draft. Still see him as a bit of a puppet for Paul Holmgren, but uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's. I think Brisson makes a lot of sense to them here. I don't see a big need, maybe defense, but they addressed it last year with Cam York, so. Kind of had a tough time pinning down what their need might be. But Brisson made a lot of sense to me. The other option, Maverick Bork. And uh, they used to draft heavy, or they used to have great success. They didn't really draft heavy, but they used to have great success drafting out of the queue. So they haven't, they didn't really do that under Ron Hextall. So it'd be interesting to see if they start doing it again under Maverick Bork. Possible reach here. Same idea as Brisson, but instead I got his Chicago Steel teammate, Sam Colangelo, as the possible pick. And that is one thing, actually, that the Flyers could really use or do have a need for is some size up front. They're not they're not the biggest team, at least moving forward. Um, you know, they, they've lost some of their size over the years. Um, 27, San Jose. I said... Luke Evangelista, because as I said earlier, I think he's going in the first round. The thought process here, their boy Ryan Merkley, he played with Evangelista this season in London, so they would have seen him a lot. Fuck me, this team is a mess. And if you want to know how much of a mess they are, go read this blog. I I won't get into it because I want to be done with this, quite frankly, but... Holy fuck, what a mess. The other option, Noel Gundler, um, just because I wonder how much a kid being close to ready will factor into the thought process because they need guys who can step in soon. And then the possible reach is Jeremy Poirier because, well, they did Ryan Merkley two years ago. Poirier is essentially the exact same defender. I chose the word defender for a reason. That's not a compliment. 28, Vegas Golden Knights. Helga Granz goes to the Golden Knights. Like it. They need a, they need to stockpile defensemen. Their, their system, their defense is bleak moving forward uh, in their system anyway. Uh, the only kid that I can think of that they got, and why am I blanking on his name now, the left-handed shot, a uh, big kid who can move out of the OHL. I want to say he was a 2018 pick. No, 2017. Why am I blanking on that? Oh, geez. That's embarrassing. Completely blanking on who the Golden Knights. I want to say he was at Mississauga. I like the player. I'm just, I, Sometimes, and again, I'm closing in on five straight hours of of recording here tonight. 
Um, it's my voice really hurts. As soon as I see the name, I am going to fucking kick my ass. Nicholas Hag. So that's the one young piece they have on the blue line, but that's it. That's really it. Um, I, I say this in the write up. I wonder if they'd try to trade up to get Braden Schneider. I don't know what the fuck they could package to get up to where they could trade for Braden Schneider. But obviously, Kelly McCrimmon, the Wheat Kings, all the ties there, it would make sense. He's a perfect fit. Schneider, that would be one player who, if a team needs a right-shot defenseman and they need someone to step in now, Schneider does make sense. I hate that thought process in drafting, but if you're really hard up for it, Excuse me, my throat is really starting to kill me. Braden Schneider would then make sense. So it's, yeah. But I, I don't know what the hell the Knights could trade for him. Um, so, yeah, I like Helga Grands. Helga Grands, though, is a long way off. That's the one thing about that pick. That's why the other option is, again, I go back to Toppy Nimala, who is going to take steroids and have Ben Johnson speed, as I discussed earlier. Um, I, I can easily make the case for both for me. Anyway, I have them very close to each other in my rankings, even though I have grands in a, in a higher, uh, tier. Uh, yeah. Nemo is a safer bet, right shot defenseman. He's got to put on some weight, but I think when he does, he's going to be a, a solid NHL defenseman. I've seen, I've seen some may, was that in black book in the black book? I saw it somewhere that that someone kind of likened him to this year's, or basically said he's this year's uh, Vili Hainola, and uh, yeah, it's that was that was, you know, I I've, I I do see that. Um, it's unfair that they're stereotyping like that, but <laughs> whatever. Um, it's not mine, not my suggestion. Jeez, I'm sorry, my throat's really killing me right now. Um, the possible reach, this one's fun. Damon Hunt, who is WHL kid, plays for Moose Jaw. He was in my top 10, I believe. I think he was 10th entering the season. Um, now, he got his arm stepped on by Jake Neighbors and missed most of the season. Uh, I think he played 28 games is what he ended up with. He had 15 assists in those 28 games, no goals. His skating was suspect entering the season. I still personally believe his skating is very suspect. His size isn't great. He's, he's well, he's six feet. He's not bad, but he's already filled out. He's right around 200 pounds already. Um, you might say, well, Soup's 15 points in 28 games. That's great. Three points were even strength. One of those three was a primary assist. So you're talking about a kid who had one primary assist, even strength in 28 games. And I know Moose Jaw sucked. They were awful this season. They're rebuilding, not their fault. Damon Hunt, I do not see it. And the fact that he is still in is like, a second round pick for almost everyone is stunning to me. 
He is not a right-shot defenseman, but he is a D-man. And Damon Hunt hails from... Drumroll, please. Oh, yeah, I don't want to edit this to put in a drumroll. Brandon Manitoba. Where was Golden Knights GM Kelly McCrimmon previously the GM for about three decades? You guessed it. Brandon Manitoba. So that would, that would in my opinion, be the reach. And you know what? I... I might like that suggestion more than I like Grands or Nimala. Uh, we'll see, though. 29. The Avalanche. Select out of the DEL. John Jason Jingleheimer Schmidt Paterka. And as I said, doing my top 64, eat your heart out, Chris Berman. Proud of that one. Uh, I don't really have a rhyme or reason for this one. I, I couldn't find a guy that I liked a ton for the Avs in this spot. I went with Paterka because I thought, you know what? He has depth up front. He, he, he's he got speed, Who and the Avs love speed. Um, you know, he... He's for sure going to be a kid, 30, 30, uh, 30 to 40 points a season, great on the PK. Um, and there is offensive upside. I don't know if he's going to reach it, but you know that speed's going to be tough to deal with. One of the fastest guys in the draft. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'd be a good pick here for the Avs. Other option, Connor Zary. They don't need a, need a center, but they've pretty clearly had the philosophy over the years of it doesn't matter how many centers we take, which I love. Uh, centers can play the wing, so that's you can't ever have too many of them. Possible reach, Ty Smilanek. I have him 64th out of my 64 kids, but he is a local product uh, for the Avs, Denver kid. McKenzie has him 39th. When you get down to the 29th pick, um, anything within the top 50 is not a reach. It's it's wide open by this point. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a great feeling on where the Avs could go. The one thing I feel pretty confident on, they're not going to take a defenseman. Um, they've had It's amazing the job they've done rebuilding that blue line, rebuilding that team in general. You think of where they are in, were in 2017 and where they are now, Entering the playoffs, which is weird to say as we're in July, but the Avs, I just, oh man, I I can't believe that this is essentially the exact same front office that in 2017 I was laughing at and other people were laughing at. Joe Sackick, what the fuck is he going to do? What a joke. And yeah, Chris McFarland was probably more behind uh, the Duchesne trade than anyone else. But still, like just the the leaps and bounds that this organization has grown by. I was never a Patrick Waugh fan. Everybody loved Patrick. Remember that? Everyone in the media just, oh my God, Patrick Waugh after 2014 when they fluked out and won the division. Oh, Patrick Waugh is just such a phenomenal head coach. Patrick Waugh, I don't know if he'll ever get another head coaching job in the league because A, he wasn't that good of a head coach and B, the way he left the Avs was pretty shitty. And that's what really fucked their 2017. Uh, that and Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne seems to be a curse. Um, <laughs> 
Sorry, Matt, but you do. Uh, <laughs> how can a guy have that good analytics, that good of stats, and every team he goes to, he makes worse, except for Columbus? <laughs> you know? 30. My boy, he's going. Washington Capitals, they have the pick. They select Jack Finley. Um, I know they went with heavy guys last year a couple times with uh, Protus and, uh, and and Leeson, both from PA. But this team drafts he- – This no pun intended there. This team drafts a lot out of the WHL. They love heavy hockey, and I can't help but think that they'll love Jack Finley. Um and and I think Jack Finley is in big-time consideration for this pick and the next one. That's who I like going to them, though, at this point. The other option that I have, again, Connor Zary. Um, you know, Connor Zary is 22nd on Bob's board. As much as I'm concerned about Connor Zary, he's 27th on my board. It's not like I've got him way down. I just think people are uh, missing maybe what he actually is. You know, I read some of the scouting reports and it's like, hey, guys, I don't know that you're really doing that much work on his game. Uh, but, hey, he is absolutely uh, very much so a consideration here if the Caps are thinking center and if the Caps are interested in, you know, taking the advice of their WHL scout. Um you know, I, I don't get why people have Zary ahead of Finley or why people have Finley so low and Zary so high. Um, but yeah, he would definitely be considered here. The possible reach pick. The Caps, you know, and I could go with another WHL kid here since I'm talking about how much they love the WHL. They love another region, though. They love, they've had terrific success with the Russian kids. They do... They could easily go with a D-man here. I don't know if they badly need defensemen in the system, but they're not set on defense either. So I could say Ronan Seeley from the WHL. I'm going to go with Shakir Muhammad. <laughs> I knew I was going to butcher this. Muhammad, Muhammad Adulin. I should have looked it up before. I know I have been looking at this kid's name for 11 months now. You would think I would take the time to make sure I know what it is. Uh, Muhammad Adulin, I think. I still butchered it. I know I did. Anyway, controversial kid, has a lot of tools. A lot of guys have him pretty high. Some guys have him off the board like myself. Too many red flags for me. He's 42nd on Bob's list. That's not much of a reach really at this point. But I hadn't mentioned him, and that was the big reason I wanted to put him as the possible reach. Um, Yeah, people seem to be all over the map on where to rank him. 31, St. Louis Blues. Connor Zary finally goes. Uh, I just think they'll be big fans of him. He uh, he is going to, even though I'm not a fan of his upside, he is going to be able to play uh, the way that the Blues want to play. He, even though he's not the biggest guy, he's only six feet, he's 181, but he'll be able to play that heavy game that the Blues love to play. That He's that 200-foot player. He's really committed to his you know 200-foot game. The Blues will love that. Um Finley, Zari, Weisblatt, Neighbors, all guys that I think the Blues will have really big interest in. Not, you know, they haven't really drafted that much out of the West of late. 
Um, but yeah, I just I just see all those guys as blues type players. Um, uh, that's why the other option I got here is Jake Neighbors, and uh, I basically just laid out why I believe this makes a lot of sense. If they wanted to go winger over center, uh, Neighbors plays a heavier game or can play a heavier game than Zeri as he's 5'11", 200 pounds already. Um, and then the possible reach, Daniel Torgerson, uh, Swedish kid. Again, the size, the Blues love their size. They don't necessarily draft just for size, but they've had great success drafting the bigger kids and, and love playing that heavy game. Um, Torgerson, he's got the size, but he's also got great wheels. And he's a kid who's already showing that he's great on the wall, great in his own zone, great away from the puck. Doesn't have a big upside, but is a really safe pick. Really safe pick. I think I got Torgerson 45th on my list. Uh, On Bob's list, he's around that same area, I want to say. Bob has him, sorry for this, 53rd. So again, you get to this point in the draft, that wouldn't be a huge reach. And others, I think Hockey Prospect, I think has him 37th. So, you know, it wouldn't be a massive reach, but we're getting to that point in the draft where essentially nothing's becoming a reach uh, after a certain point. Finally, the 32nd pick, which will be the 31st pick uh, of the draft, Ozzy Weisblatt to the Anaheim Ducks. This was originally Boston's pick. They sent it to Anaheim in the Andre Kasha trade. Uh, and again, I go back to way back in the podcast, as this is closing in on two hours. But remember what I said about all the ties to the PA Raiders? Well, obviously you don't have Brendan Gooley, but there still are enough, or there's Brendan Gooley doesn't factor in, I should say, but there's still a lot of ties here. Um, you know, I, I just think this is way more for me. This is just a Ozzy Weisblatt's got to go first round. Like, I'm just going to be absolutely stunned if an NHL team doesn't take him in the first round. I don't get it. I've got him 16th. I like the Ducks, even though this isn't a need. You get down to the 32nd pick, are you really going to draft for need? Really? Like, so they could, you know, a guy like Grands, Wallinder, Victor Pearson's still on the board. That's my possible reach here. The other option is Justin Barron. Man, my throat is going. Uh, <laughs> and actually, without even thinking, Justin Barron does make a lot of sense. I didn't put this in the write up. Justin Barron played with would have played with Gru last year with Halifax in the Memorial Cup. So Gru's a, a Ducks draft pick. So they, they would probably know Justin Barron pretty well and would fit their need. Um you know, I I think Justin Barron's yeah, and that's the thing. I got down around this point, I won't lie. I got down around this point and I was kind of equally trying to weigh who I think teams might take in the first round and who they won't according to Bob's list like Bob always goes about 27 for 31 so legitimately I'm looking at four kids who I'm saying okay why wouldn't they go first round and gave heavy consideration to Brisson, Forrester obviously I didn't have neighbors Gundler I didn't have in there 
Wallinder, I believe, will. Maverick Bork, I didn't have going in the first because, again, I just I kind of think Maverick Bork's a second-round pick, even though I love him. Uh, I think he ends up going in the second round. Kind of feels like the type of guy who would go in the first round. Here's the other thing before I'm done with all this. Remember this. Even though my mock doesn't really doesn't really showcase this, this, and I say this in the write-up, this draft has potential to be the poster child for supply and demand. All the internet slash Twitter scouts this year absolutely seem to adore this draft. I'm not very high on it because I like guys who play 200 feet. I, I like guys who play a quote-unquote pro game. Next year's draft is loaded with guys who play a pro game. And it's got defensemen all over the place. And it's got centers all over the place, like legitimate centers, not just you know skilled guys who are going to end up on the wing, even though they play center and junior. Um, I love next year's draft. This This draft, to me... I as much as I have some reaches and some guys falling and stuff, I don't know if this comes close to showing what exactly it'll be like come draft day, night, whenever they do it on that Tuesday. Uh, it's I think this draft has potential to get wild. Uh, probably after about the tenth pick or so. I guess I have Braden Schneider going eleven to Jersey, so there you go. That's pretty off the board for some. So anyway, it'll be fun. Oh, man, I so apologize for the fading energy that I had throughout this podcast and the fading voice that I've had throughout this podcast, but I did it. It's 11.39 on Wednesday night, and I got done two, at least, two-hour podcasts. This one won't quite reach two hours. The last one was over, though, so... Four hours of podcasts, five to six hours of recording. It's been a slice. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out the site. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Help out any way you can. Man, that is so much appreciated if you can. Uh, And if you can't, well, you know, you got a life. I get it. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for checking it out. See you next time.